what makes you succeed in a corporate environment often doesn't make you do well in other places and also vice versa. Hey friends, welcome back to the Black Diamond Podcast. This is your host, Eric Malzone. And this is the show where I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing entrepreneurs, founders, change makers, and people who are just creatively leading the way through innovation. And it's not only about successes and, and great stories, because you'll definitely get those, but it's also about the personal challenges and the vulnerability that we face along the way. So this show is brought to you by Level 5 Mentors, helping entrepreneurs and founders achieve the highest levels of freedom in five different categories, time, money, relationships, health, and purpose. And if you want to find out how you're doing in those five categories, we got you covered. We got a survey for that. Just go to level5mentors.com forward slash survey. And you can take the free entrepreneurial survey and see how you're doing in each category and see where you have room for improvement because, hey, we can always be improving. So welcome to the show. Let's get on to it. Ashley McCullough, welcome to the Black Diamond podcast, my friend. How are you? Hi. Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. We uh, just had a wonderful conversation about one of my favorite things, which is skiing. Uh, so you're down in the Bozeman, Montana area. I'm up in the Flathead Valley in Whitefish. And I guess for people who maybe are curious about what the resorts feel like right now and having up to a mountain, describe what it's been like for you at Bridger Bowl now that it's open. What's, uh, what's different due to COVID? Today was opening day. So you could get a parking spot right by the lifts, but they're only letting 750 people ski today. So it's really pretty empty and it's not much of the mountain is open. Cause I don't know if you guys have what we have, but there hasn't been a whole ton of snow yet. And then it's masks in line. It's no, no uh, singles joining you. So it's a little bit of a slower line reservation system to get in at all. It's a lot of planning. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting year. I think it's just, we'll get used to the mild inconveniences. And I think everybody who loves to ski is, whatever it is, it's worth it. <laughs> totally. I think for a lot of people, it's like the one thing that might keep them sane. Sure. Better do yeah. It. yeah, especially up up here where the winters get a little dark and gray and cold and days get short. You got to have, have something to do. I always wonder how anyone really can live in Montana if they don't ski. I don't know. You got to have something. You got to either be seasonal or you got to have some other kind of winter occupation, something to just to keep you busy. Yeah, I guess. Uh, that sounds, to me, that sounds like drinking, which I'm not against. I think it is. I think it's a euphemism <laughs> <Yeah>. for drinking. <laughs> yeah. So it's pretty fun. But anyway, let's talk about you, Ashley. I'm really excited to have you on the show. You're doing such a talk about a, a very timely. I guess, need in the market that you've located and, and what that is in mobile home. We'll obviously talk about that, but how did you get here? How did you get to that point of starting this company? And yeah, just, I, I want to hear your backstory. Yeah. I worked in corporate for almost 20 years. I worked for a women's sportswear company because I came out of being a professional athlete and corporate is great, but it's not for everyone. And I realized pretty early on that I'm, what makes you succeed in a corporate environment often doesn't make you do well in other places and also vice versa. And I figured out that I don't really play by the rules very well. And that, that works pretty well in entrepreneurship and doesn't do that when you're 
gunning for promotions and following a kind of prescribed path. So that was my history and work stuff. And I always, I had worked for myself early. And then I always said by the time I was in my mid forties, I would work for myself again. And I made sure to do that even before the goal. But the whole thing with mobile home, part of the impetus to start mobile home is that I had started a business maybe eight years ago that was like a luxury textiles importing business. I went over to Turkey and I was designing textiles and bringing them in. And it was a model that gave back to traditional artisans. And and the plan was to go to different countries each season and do a different line. And what I ultimately realized from that experience was that I'm not that into luxury goods. I I like luxury goods. Don't get me wrong. I I like a nice car and all that stuff, but I feel like with mobile home, there's something really fundamental and, and necessary about housing, right? It's like on the bottom of the Maslow's like uh, hierarchy of need triangle. And it's, it's something that no matter what happens out there in the world, you absolutely need a home. You need food, you need clothing, all, all those things that are essential. And so there's something about working in in the housing industry that makes me feel much more motivated to do something that creates value. And I would say that probably the original, the start of the idea, I moved, I've done a lot of moving around. And I think a lot of people have now again, but I just don't see that the trend in, in this country and maybe worldwide is for people to stay rooted in one place forever. There's there's a much easier path towards moving and being a foreign person anywhere and getting a job, getting a house, making friends, doing whatever it is. It's like, we don't live in this sort of village communities anymore. And so I've moved a ton. And when I I think the first time I made a major move that I, I just wanted to live somewhere for a couple months and really check out what it was like to live there. I didn't want to go on a vacation to this place. I just wanted to go and buy my groceries at the same grocery store for a couple months and learn the language and talk to people. So I moved to Berlin when I was in my mid twenties and finding an apartment in Berlin, when you don't speak German for a couple of months, like before the beginning of short-term rental companies was really very interesting (laughs) and by interesting, almost impossible. So that was the start of it was feeling like there wasn't a good option out there for people that want to go and dig into a culture and be somewhere for a couple months at a time. There's no way that you're going to move and sign an annual lease and move in furniture and then sell it all before you go and, and do the whole rigmarole of the traditional rental market. And then multiply that by 20 times in my life of moving to different places and saying, Hey, I'm going to live here for a few months and I don't know exactly where I want to live in this town, or I don't know if I'm going to stay in this place and just feeling like it, it it still hadn't become even five years ago, it hadn't become easier really to find temporary housing. It's easy to find a place for a week or two with a vacation rental company. It's also easy to find a place to live for a year, but I was having trouble finding places for two to six months. 
And I found that almost everyone I talked to who had moved recently said the exact same thing. Oh, like what a hassle. I, the exact same situation. I needed that too. And I kept saying like, why isn't somebody doing this? And then I just realized that they weren't going to. So I did. So that was the beginning of mobile home. Yeah. So many great businesses have started with just solving your own problem. And Absolutely. I immediately understood because when my wife and I decided to pick up and leave California back in 2017, the, the famous kind of conversation, well, famous in our small little tiny world between my wife and I was that I came home one night. I was like, we always talk about living in that mountain town. Why don't we, why not now? Let's just do it now. We always talk about someday. What if that was today? And I told her I'm, I'm ready. I'll sell my businesses and we'll, we'll go pick one and we'll go there. And she's like, why don't we live in a bunch of them? I was like, ah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yes, let's do it. And then the, the adventure started, right? It was like, we got a map of the Western United States and in Canada. We started putting little needles in there where we wanted to visit. And it was up on the wall and it was just, it was a ton of fun. Started doing a lot of research on what towns we want to go to. And then the reality starts to hit in. We both have to work. So we can't just live in a van or do the super nomadic coffee shop thing because that's actually really challenging and very frustrating and ultimately highly stressful. So we're like, let's, we pick a place to live for a month. And then we realize oh, this is really hard. So I created this like checklist almost of ways to find places. Cause we want to live in places two to three months, which is like the sweet spot of the mobile home platform. And it, it was like, okay, I'll start my research by looking at Airbnb and just get an idea of prices. Then I'll look at Airbnb. I'll look at all of those those short-term rental websites, but then those get really expensive. And sometimes you can't find what you want. So then I started, the next thing was to post on Craigslist and look on Craigslist. So I posted as someone looking for a rental and then someone obviously looking at what rentals were available. And then I call all the local vacation rental places, see if they had any deals <laughs> they're willing to work. So it turned into this process that we had to, that I had to redo every time we picked up and moved and we lived in gosh, 10 different places over three years. So it became very tedious. And I saw this, I was like, oh my God, finally, someone right. did it. So I get it. I think it's, I think there's a market now. I would imagine now that COVID has shown that, hey, the remote working thing is now actually a thing and it's probably not going anywhere. I'd imagine the demand for something like this is, is pretty high. Yeah, the demand is huge. I'm not sure that everybody knows how to locate it. And we're only in a couple locations so far, but I think it's huge. I've read quite a few articles that are talking about where are people going? Where are they moving to? How are they doing their moves? What is the average length? You can look on air DNA and find data on average stays in different places. And there's definitely a trend towards, for one, mountain towns. Obviously, you were a pioneer, but I think there's plenty of places in this country that are, everybody thinks, oh, that would be a great place to live someday. Once I don't have to work or once I'm not tied to San Francisco or Seattle or New York. And I think that the interesting thing that we've all seen just happen is that maybe nobody's tied to those places anymore. Yeah. That, that's always been the question for me is I, I, one of the things I love to help people do is realize that someday can be today. And it's, totally. it, if you just think about it differently, okay, if I did want to, for us, like live in that mountain town or spend living on Hawaii or some Fiji or one of these destinations that people dream about, people are like, I'd, I'd have to wait. Why? And what's in your way? And are those obstacles movable? Because, Hey, life is just a bunch of choices. 
And yeah, some choices may seem inconvenient or challenging or scary, but when you pull it down, you could totally do it. And I think people are, at least in the short term, I think people are realizing that now. I just have a strong feeling that people are going to, there's always going to be a certain population that are going to be like you and me, where like, I want to check out new places. I want to experience it. I want to take a deep dive into an area more than just a four day weekend. But I just wonder, and that's the big question is like, how mobile are people going to stay? Or is this just, or are people going to go back to their ways? I have, you know, some thoughts on that. It's there, obviously some of the big tech companies are making roads that are showing some of the other companies, how that can work. A lot of them are just saying, okay, you don't have to come back until end of next year or maybe ever. And if they're going to build that infrastructure, then that enables more people to do it. There is like you're saying, it's, it's a choice for sure. But for some people, that choice might be becoming unemployed. <laughs> and I'm not sure that's a choice that some people are, are able to make. But what I think is so interesting about the time right now and the movement towards this stuff is as the office culture, as we know, as it began, it was like people needed to be in the same place because there wasn't an ability to interact and collaborate from afar. And now with the internet and with all the tools and with everything that's out there, there's so much less need in many professions to be in the same room anymore. And I remember reading this article about, are we all getting dumber because we rely on our phones to grab information for us that we used to keep in our heads? Like nobody knows anybody's phone number anymore and nobody (laughs) knows how to drive anywhere anymore. And does that actually make us dumber? But what this article was talking about is that there's this integration between the brain and the machine, right? Like for, for better and for worse, but, and sorry, my dog is groaning. He's kind of loud. We, we love dogs on this podcast. We so. love dogs. I mean, we love dogs, period. But yeah, there's like this integration between all of our technology and our brains. And I feel like there's an evolution of what we're capable of in our own thinking, but also in our collaborative productivity, right? It's if we are now in separate places and we're able to have this sort of separate sphere of thinking going on, but then we can come together only as we need to and interact and collaborate and then spin off into our own sphere again. I feel like there may actually be more productivity and this may be the trend forward. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I I think it is now that it's proven people are, are, I started to see it right I guess back in February, March, like the per- the place we were renting, which we rented short term for six months and <laughs> over the winter and someone came and checked it out and there was a young couple from Seattle. She's like, I just realized that we can live here. We are going to come visit for a weekend, but now we could just live here for a few months. I was like, oh, here we go. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> this is, here we go. It's going to be an interesting ride. So I would imagine people are probably wondering exactly what mobile home is. So tell us now we've outlined the problem and the opportunity. What is it? What do you do? Oh, okay. So we are a platform. We work a lot like a vacation rental platform. We are a marketplace where homeowners can put their houses on and renters can rent their houses directly. So it basically makes renting temporary housing, say two to six months, like you're talking about, about as easy as ordering dinner. I love it. It's so simple. And you guys, so you started in the Montana market, right? We did, yeah. Uh, Is that just because of where you, that's where you live or was there a strategy behind that or what made that, what was that choice? 
it's helpful that it's where I live. Mm-hmm. Part of our model is ensuring that we have a human being that can verify properties, talk to homeowners, even talk to renters. We do a little bit of matchmaking actually, which is a surprise, but not, not, and not that surprising. It's, so starting in Bozeman was easier for me because I live here, but also because it is a small mountain town that has seasons. It has a vacation vacation rental climate that so it has a lot of inventory already and then it's a destination that while it was already growing for the last 10 years it's a place that's really primed to continue growth quickly so the the strategy going forward is picking places that are of a certain size and we're leapfrogging in our sizes but Bozeman is a 50,000 person um, town. We're moving into now places that have more like 200,000 and then we'll continue to get bigger, but also have vacation rental homes available. So you need to have some stock of furnished rentals that are not already occupied. And then also places that have high growth that is not just due to birth rate. (laughs) Net migration based on jobs and opportunity. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That was what I was going to ask you. What is the kind of the checkbox criteria for as you guys enter in new markets? Is there any, so you guys are now, where else have you guys expanded to? We're in Idaho now. So okay. we're, we, we went out outside of Bozeman and we moved into Missoula and we're also up in, in Big Sky and Livingston. So we're spreading out all over Montana. And then Boise was our first foray out of state. And then we're now in all of Idaho after that, we're doing Utah and Colorado. I also like places that I can drive to. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So that's just purely selfish, but I like to be able to like scope out a place as we're starting to launch it and go in and meet everybody. We've been doing these Boise trips and we're meeting all the realtors in town and all the lenders and getting to people who know the people who are coming in and they know the people who need housing. And it's just fun. It's fun. It's almost, it almost satisfies that need I used to have of wanting to wander as much as I did without needing to pick up and move again right now. You have the, it's starting a two-sided market, right? Because you need the rentals and you need the renters. I know I've talked to a lot of people who do similar models, but in different kind of niches, there's unique challenges to that. Walk us through that. So it's almost like having two businesses where you're trying to do acquisition to two totally different groups simultaneously. Everybody I've ever talked to who started a marketplace has said, I will never do that again. (laughs) (laughs) But I find it really interesting. It's, it's a multifaceted challenge. As you, as you mentioned at the beginning, you have to have enough renters and you have to have enough homes and not too many of either. Like you can't just focus on one side of the equation, even though everyone always says with marketplaces, hack one side and, and know you know how to do that one. Still, you can't just fill one side because then if then those will leave you and you'll have too much churn if you can't get enough of the other side to match. To me, it's in this unique dance of kind of saying, okay, let's try to get just enough and then just enough on the other side that they're all getting traction and they're all getting actually they're making sales. And then 
add a little bit more and grow them organically at the same speed. And it's hard. Yeah. And there, so is business, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the easy part is always coming up with the idea. And the hard part is the 10 years of execution that come behind it. Totally. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one of my favorite things. People are like, ah, I think I want to be an entrepreneur. I got this idea. I make these cookies. I'm like, well, that's a great idea. Right. Uh, are you ready for 10 years of execution? And they're like, Ooh, right. nah, I'm good. All right. Great. I just did you a huge service. Um, I know I have a few for, I have a few people who are like, Oh, this isn't a billion dollar idea. This is a trillion dollar idea. I'm like, okay, that's awesome. Can't wait to see it happen. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> so is there, what's the goal here? Do you think there's going to be a tipping point where it just gets to like a a certain level of awareness and both parties on both sides of the fence, both the rentals and the rent, the rentees, I guess, are coming to you or what's, what do you think is going to get this thing to scale? Yeah, I think right now we're on a model where we launch every location and that's, I think necessary because we're doing mostly organic growth. I, I think there is a point where once there's enough awareness, there will be we won't be launching any location anymore. It'll just be every location is launched and we'll make sure we have people that can get to every place that are on our team. But yeah, the way I see it progressing is that right now it seems like a novelty. Ooh, I'd love to go live in Bozeman for three months this year and see if I like it or, hey, wouldn't it be fun to go live in Colorado or whatever, Sedona. But I think that as we go forward, into the future, I think the whole rental market is poised to change. And I think that's where we are leaning into. Like we're less of a vacation company than we are really looking towards how to evolve the rental market completely. I, it just, I, I believe that the 12 month leases and the moving in and out furniture and all that stuff that, that you do it's too much waste and it just doesn't suit the majority anymore. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I do believe that there's a certain age bracket that is now moving on. And as younger generations move into needing places to live, it's more about access and less about ownership. And right. you look at all these things before the pandemic, if you live in a city, most young people in their twenties would be like, I don't need a car. I got Uber right? Or shared bicycles or you just pick them up at one spot, ride them somewhere, drop them off at another. It's not ownership. It's just access to the thing. Right. So I think it is a big trend. The big shark tank question is, of course, for you is what stops an Airbnb or a VRBO from just extending their service a little bit or offering something different? Is it a matter of you getting your speed to market or what's, I'm sure that crosses your mind all the time, right? Sure. Yeah. People want always to bring up that as the main problem. Yep. And sure, th those big companies have all the resources to really do whatever they want. Airbnb can become a film production company. They can do whatever they want at this point. <laughs> but I think that what differentiates us in model is something that I don't think they're interested in. And who knows? It's remains to be seen, but I think that a lot of these big tech companies have built their whole 
model around making sure that everything is automated and easy. And I, what I'm noticing in all of my interactions with homeowners and renters is that most people are saying, sorry, dog. <laughs> it's okay. We love dogs. Yes, is here. Um, hopefully bringing Christmas presents. Um, <laughs> sorry. I don't know if you can. All right. We took a little Odin, the, the dog break and we're back. So yeah, that's, that's the joys of working from home as well. You got dogs, you got kids. everything, you got all of it, but yeah, we were talking about the difference between Airbnb and what you're doing and, and where the, where your potential advantage is. Yeah. And, and I think the point I was trying to make a minute ago was that I think that some of these big tech companies have built their models on being convenient and being automated and making everything really easy. And while that is absolutely essential, I think that there's a lot of people who are getting tired of not being able to have a human that they can interact with. And one of the things I hear over and over again, and no harshing on Airbnb, I love Airbnb. And I think the best thing that ever happened was that they made it not weird to sleep in somebody else's bed. You know, I think that when I talk to people, often what they're saying is that these companies like Airbnb and like VRBO, they're stuck with them, but they hate them. (laughs) Like they, they feel like they're And you hear it a little bit about Facebook too. People just are, they don't feel like there's another option. So they're still using the option that they have, but it isn't the option that they like. And so we're really listening to people and what they want. And with our model, we're ensuring that there's always a human being and there's kind of interaction that is involved. So I think that we're not going to take over Airbnb's market share, but I have a feeling that we can have market share that won't, it won't really conflict with what they have. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's an interesting positioning. And I do see something else that's happening as well is that service. And then many markets like where we're building a home is there is no short-term rentals available. You have to do at least one month. And there's a lot of places that are really neighborhoods that are very much over the overnight stay, like the typical kind of bachelor party or that type of stuff. And this, you just don't get that with the monthly rentals. So it's, it is, there is a unique advantage there. There's definitely a better for the community aspect to it. Yes. You don't have the people that are partying and leaving their garbage in the street. You don't have people like trashing places and you definitely have more of quality of people interacting and becoming part of a neighborhood rather than just using something and disposing of it. Yeah. Yeah. So today's recording date is the 17th of December. And I say that because I'm curious, your business is changing and growing and that's very dynamic times for sure. But what, what's the biggest need that you have in your business right now? What are the, what's the immediate challenge that you're tackling? So I need to raise money now. I think I was on the fence when COVID hit, I was on the fence between do I go for making this thing profitable as fast as possible, or do I continue with looking at it as like a startup model where I'm going to grow and scale as fast as possible. And I'm leaning towards the growing and scaling, raising money. We're a low margin business and we like it that way. It's partially because it's just the way that the numbers work out and in our model, but also partially because I want this thing to feel more like a service 
not like something that you are paying a ton of money for, but then wouldn't want to use again. Like I would like it to be a service that people would keep using. And so if anything, I would love to lower our fees, but that puts us at a very low margin. And then the only way to make it make sense is to scale it. So financing is going to be the next big challenge, but hey, what challenges? <laughs> yeah. If it was easy, everyone would do it. And yeah, so you're out there in the arena making it happen. This is, it's really interesting. I really like what you're doing. Where do people get in touch with you, Ashley? Where do you send them? So you can email Ashley at mobilehome.com and that's M-O-B-L-H-O-M.com. You can go to our site if you're looking for a house. If you need Instagram and you love pretty pictures, then you can just find us at Mobile Home on Instagram. Awesome. Ashley, thank you so much for coming on. This is really interesting. And I, I love you're going for it with this and it, it could go big with uh, <laughs> a lot of energy, a lot of strategy and a little bit of luck. I think, I think it could be big. So appreciate yeah, it. Needs, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, for thanks for coming on people, go check out mobile home and look up Ashley if you need her and she'd be happy to chat with you. So ladies and gentlemen, Ashley McCullough. Thanks. Thanks, Eric. Hey everybody, this is your host, Eric Malzone. Don't leave yet. I have a few more requests for you. So if you got value out of this podcast, I ask you to do a few things. Number one, go to wherever you're listening, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and go ahead and subscribe to the show. Number two, while you're there, if you feel that we earned it, please leave us a nice review. Number three, share it whether it be social media, email, texting, whatever it may be. I'm sure you know somebody who would get value out of this episode just like you did. So please go ahead and share it. And that's how we get the word out. So it's really valuable and super appreciative. It only takes a minute of your time. Next, if you know of somebody, including yourself, who would be a great guest for the show, please head on over to level5mentors.com, L-E-V-E-L, the number five, mentors.com. Get in touch with me. Let me know what you're thinking. Uh, make an introduction. Whatever it may be, you can also get me directly in my email, which is eric, E-R-I-C, at level5mentors.com. Lastly, if you just want to chat, you want to find out more, if you want to expand on some ideas, I love hearing from the audience. So go ahead and hit me up on social media. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. You also have my email already. So I love to hear from you. I'm always looking for ways to improve the show, and I'm always looking to have great conversations. So don't hesitate to reach out. And once again, thank you for listening to the Black Diamond Podcast, and you can expect a lot more from us.